Welcome to part two of this Agenda podcast brought to you by Oxera. We're reporting from a discussion in Brussels hosted by the European Contact Group, attended by over 50 people, uh, where the topic is the quality of corporate reporting. Hi and welcome to the Agenda podcast. My name is Russell Goldsmith and we're recording this episode at an event hosted by the European Contact Group who recently responded to the European Commission's consultation on the quality of corporate reporting. Uh, Today we're going to find out more about the findings in the response and the possible policy implications. So I'm now joined by Pablo uh, Zalba who is the ECG lead partner for Deloitte and EU Policy Centre Managing Director at Deloitte. Pablo is chairing today's second panel uh, where there's discussion will be on the policy implications. Pablo, as a former member of the European Parliament, um, you have experienced the challenges of turning research findings into effective policy. Uh, This may be the case for the topic of corporate governance as well. Uh, How do you see this debate progressing? And also, what what are you hoping will come from the uh, roundtable discussion today? Well, I think we have a very interesting debate. The findings of the Oxeda report are really challenging because I think that, at least myself, expected that the internal control has such a kind of correlation with, for example, fraud or combining fraud. We have to assume, we have to be aware that we are here mostly because of the Warcan scandal. And I do believe that the main objective we all have is precisely to avoid to repeat and a scandal such a worker. So I do believe that the findings we, uh, we, we, we got from the Oxera report definitely contribute to the debate, definitely, in my opinion, has to be taken into account because I think that internal control is a very good tool to combat fraud and to avoid any new scandal as uh, uh, as as worker and unfortunately scandals are opportunity to to strengthen internal control we have seen so with the us and enron we have seen so with italy after uh, parmalat but also we have to take into account the current economic context and the current geopolitical context when where we need to push and to reinforce the capital market union to push growth and jobs, to push innovation and to get a better functioning of the capital market uh, union. And definitely the additional findings we got from the Oxera report, like the correlation between insolvencies and internal control or the correlation between uh, cost of equity and uh, internal control, definitely must must be taken into account precisely in the framework of the of the of the capital market union uh, debate so i do believe that this is a unique opportunity to combat fraud but also to contribute to push growth and jobs I would expect that uh, the debate on the corporate uh, reporting reform might arise. But it's truth, and we have to be realistic, that even under the current umbrella, we might uh, push for changes at national level. And precisely, Italy is the example, and Italy is the proof that, regarding internal control, more can be done under the current umbrella. So I hope between 
all of us contribute to uh, these debates and get the results that contribute to solve the problems and the challenges we face. That's great. Thanks, Pablo, and good luck with your panel. Okay, before we hear the second panel, I've gathered a few more thoughts from some of the attendees here today on uh, what they're looking forward to from Pablo's session. My name is uh, Simon de Keizer. I'm an assistant professor at uh, KU Leuven University here uh, in Belgium. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the uh, debate between the yeah, various uh, participants today to see what they think yeah, about the report, but primarily about the proposed reforms uh, that are, are going forward. Um, and what did you find most compelling from Oxera's findings? I think the most compelling findings were that you really that there was really strong documented effects on the quality, so both in the US and in Italy, of these prior reforms. So, of course, there are some caveats there, but that's in any research. But I think uh, they provide some guidance about what future reforms in Europe might look like and what effects they might have on the quality of uh, financial statements in uh, European Union space. So I'm Susanna Di Felice-Antonio, I'm Head of European Policy at ICAW, the Institute of Chartered Accountants in England and Wales. I thought it was a very interesting session this morning and um, I thought what was particularly interesting was that um, the Oxira report tries to put forward the positive case for why we're focusing on internal control frameworks in terms of providing some empirical evidence on the, the cost of, of capital. And I think that's really important to be looking at the, the benefits for companies in strengthening uh, internal control and rather than looking at it as a, as a compliance or more regulation or another cost to companies, but really focusing on that more positive narrative. Um, and I think looking at sort of the, the European policy context to that, um, that's I think why we would like to see more focus from the, the Commission on the internal control framework, but understanding that there's a benefit to companies themselves in strengthening those controls too. Okay, well over to Pablo for our second panel discussion. We move on to this panel will where we will debate about about the policy options after discussing the, the, the findings. I think that in the current economic context and the current geopolitical context, one of the aspects we need to reinforce is definitely the capital market union and the per capital markets. And at this regard, I do agree with Something has been said in the previous panel regarding the importance of corporate reporting, and I will add the importance of internal control. And I do believe that some of the findings we have been debating before, like the correlation between internal control and insolvencies of, or the cost of equity, definitely might contribute to reinforce the capital market union. I will introduce the, the panelists. We have Daniel Bloom, senior policy analyst from the OECD. We got Isabel Gaynor, head of corporate finance and reporting union at ESMA. Roberto Guavero, member of the ECODA working group on audit committees and senior manager, partner of Guavero and Associates. And at my right hand side, I'm executive director of Medium. And I would like to start comparing and doing a benchmark regarding corporate corporate. What are the differences between different geographies and what are 
the differences between within the EU regarding internal control perspective. I would like to start Roberto that could give us a vision from the Italian perspective at this regard. First of all, the, the, the question is, 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 is very interesting and the, the OXERA report and the conclusions that the OXERA report sorry, brings us to very interesting. Why Italy? Probably if we have to, to find a sort of definition is that inside any problem lies an opportunity. And this is why probably Italy and US, which are the company that as the, the country, sorry, that has been defined as the country that have been made some improvement on beefs and corporate reporting and corporate governance are the companies and the, the countries that has been affected by huge scandal. Italy, we know that there's been a huge scandal connected with Pamela, and this scandal, of course, is connected with a, a great problem, which is the, 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 the controlling shareholder that substantially exploit the company instead of instead of monitoring this manager the reaction has been has been a huge reactions and we do have a reform that has been already expressed and already mentioned by Chiara Corte in his previous well i have to say that in italy we do have a sort of specific as you know system and we do have an internal control a body internal control which is collegio sindacale the reform goes exactly where the OXERA report says, and so it has emphasized the responsibility of key manager and board member. And uh, of course, as also goes in the importance of risk management and internal control. I would have to say that uh, the point, the major point of the reform in Italy was substantially, as it has already been said, as the report outlined is the importance for the management to attest the accuracy of the financial reports. This is a sort of personal liability and a sort of personal responsibility that has been driving to an accounting officer, which is appointed that has to sign the report with the Direttore Generale and with the CEO. And this, this high responsibility is something that has given benefit to, to the control. We do have to take into consideration that uh, what is the control system is something that has to help the company in developing what are the substantially gatekeepers or something that are not connected with uh, who can be the benefit of the misconduct and has to be ad- active on there. Other activity, other point that has been mentioned is substantially more the independence on director, and this is based substantially on source inspirations. And I would say also stricter standards for auditors and for audit committee. Also, this point, which is similar to, 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 to the SOX form, is something that brings the importance of independence, not only for external auditors, but also for directors and also for Collegio Sindacale, which is the internal body which is responsible for control. So apart from higher individual responsibility, what are another point? I would say that the feature of the Italian system and the benefit that probably we did have is also connected with the sort of transmigrations of the corporate governance rules from soft law to hard laws. We know, and it has already been said something about it, the importance of the codes. We do know that these are not hard law 
and these are not mandatory, but the importance, and we think that Italian experience on this side is relevant, is that having a regulatory authority, which is council, which is something who is put with Collegio Sindacale, not on the, the, the um, I would say, the responsibility on what has been said, but the role of checking the existence of statement and reacting to, 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 to blank and misrepresentation is something that helps. I strongly believe that the importance of corporate governance is something that will bring benefit to company, will bring benefits also to internal and financial reporting. Another relevant point, and I'm going to, to, to close my, my, my speech, is that the corporate governance call has also highlighted is the last review the importance for the, for the company to meet the sustainable success. This is something very relevant. We have spoken already about the relevance of financial reporting. We have understood that for the first time, sustainability reporting is put on equal footing probably with financial reporting. And we have also to appreciate the strongly difference that we do have from reporting financial and so reporting our past and reporting sustainability, and so means reporting our future. Corporate governance will be very relevant on this, and I think that the importance for Italian company to be, how can I say, attentions by the court on this uh, some years ago is something that has helped the, the improvement on that, and also the prevent of what is one of the major concerns with this greenwashing on this. Thank you, Roberto. I would like to, to know the international to, to ask Daniel from the international perspective, taking into account his OECD provision regarding internal control perspective. What are the main differences between between different geographies? I just wanted to say that for me, one of the great values of this report is the questions that you ask, the focus, because it really focuses the debate on what are the benefits to companies, what are the benefits to investors that can make capital markets work. Because from an OECD perspective, why has the OECD been involved? As Carl, thank you also for introduction to our, to our work, has been involved with corporate governance for the past 25 years, is because we believe corporate governance, the corporate governance framework is an instrument to make capital markets work and to support economic growth. And that's really our primary motivation. And during the last year and a half when we've been undergoing a review of the principles of corporate governance to adapt to, adapt to the latest trends and developments and conditions, including the focus on climate change, digitalization, interruptions to supply chains, some of these very big developments and important developments, to look at it also from the perspective of what's happening globally in markets. The OECD has also evolved now. It's not just a committee of rich countries in the most developed economies. The G20 fully participates in our work. So we have six or seven Latin American economies, eight or nine Asian economies. And this is quite important. I mean, very often I think in here we get very focused on what's happening in Europe, but the global context is very important. And that global context is that since 2005, globally markets, there's 30,000 listed companies that have left the markets. So markets have shrunk in that sense. The companies that are left there are the, the larger companies. There are 40,000 companies globally, 106 US trillion dollars. 
So it's still a huge resource and benefit for economic growth in, in Europe and everywhere. But there's been a shift to Asian markets. If you look at the top 10 stock markets in the world, five of them are now Asian. Half of the world's listed companies are now in Asia. So we really, when we look at it in our committee, we're looking not just at European perspective, but how do Asian companies, what, what are instruments in their success in making this work, as well as in other markets, including, including the US. And for that, I would say that one of the main things is that the market, the corporate governance framework, has to provide a good match between companies and investors and what their expectations are and what the benefits are. So coming back to, to the XERA report. And that's what the corporate governance framework needs to serve. So that's why we have taken this approach of a more general, what are the key objectives in terms of the, the principles? And then there are different ways of achieving it. And this translates into internal controls as well. One of the things in terms, I mean, just a couple of words about, because we're, we're hoping to have the agreement of our committee in March, and then we'll be able to release the report once it, it clears ministers of the OECD in June to have a, a new global principles, G20 OECD principles of corporate governance. And a, a couple of the shifts in that that I'd just like to mention that have an impact on internal controls and, and quality of corporate reporting. One is that there will be a new chapter on sustainability and sustainability and resilience. And there it talks very much about what's necessary in looking at corporate reporting to be extended to sustainability-related issues. First, in terms of the definition of materiality, that there remains in the OECD principles, as we talk about it, looking at what is material for a decision of the investor, decision on voting, decision on investing. Stakeholders, of course, are important, but as the principles stated, the board needs to act in the interest of the company and its shareholders, with a comma, taking into account the interests of stakeholders. But still, there is this view that you need to satisfy the shareholders first, and that that needs to be clear, because that's when it comes to materiality and what you report, corporate reporting, it needs to be clear what is necessary to, to, to report. Then there, there are, the other emphasis in this new chapter is that sustainability-related reporting needs to be taken into account the long term. And as you look into the long term, what becomes material expands. So there is an expansion. And of course, this extends also to the internal control systems and, and how you look at that. They need to take into account the non-financial reporting so there's also an emphasis in, the in this new version of the principles to say more about clarity of the respective roles of the auditor, the external auditor, the internal auditor, clarifying who reports to whom, without saying it needs to be signed off by the board or signed off by the manager specifically, because different systems will have different ways of doing it, but the accountability needs to be clear. Thank you, Thank you very much. And, and I would like to, to know what is the impact from the perspective of the difference between, between geograph uh, geographies from the investors' perspectives. And also, I would like to know how those differences, so from that perspective of the differences, whether there is a link between harmonization and quality. And I will give the floor to Rins. So I represent institutional investors, so it's good to, to have an institutional investor's view on, on these issues. And I congratulate the researchers in the, in the very important report and also underlining the advantages of, of having more convergence with respect to corporate governance. But as institutional investors, we, we invest worldwide, at least in wide. 
We also have to recognize the differences in the history of European companies. So corporate governance is about the distribution of powers within the company. And therefore, it is also about politics within the company, but also outside the company. Corporate governance is the product of national history, political and societal views on companies, and the identity and background of the individual company. As institutional investors, we have to recognize the differences between the German corporate governance model, as also explained by, by Carol. The German model is very different from, from the Italian corporate governance model. The Swedish model is very different from the French model. We have to be very aware that it is very difficult to have convergence in that field. We have witnessed that in the discussions indeed on, on the fifth company law directive some 30 or 40 years ago, the takeover bids directive 20 years ago, and recently also the corporate sustainability due diligence directive. So the very core on, on corporate governance about board duties, about the balance of power between boards, between shareholders, but also the influence of, of employees, anti-takeover devices, two-tier versus one-tier boards. There we have to recognize that it is very, very difficult to have at least convergence with the European Union, let alone that some member states also see it as a, a factor of competition between companies. We, we have recently witnessed that now, around 10 Italian companies moved to the Netherlands because of the corporate governance flexibility within the Netherlands. And I think politicians also have to take that into account when deciding about the movements within, with respect to corporate governance. So I name, for example, Stellantis, Fiat, Ferrari, Ampari, etc. So also politicians have to take that into account. On disclosures, as, as also uh, what Carl has, uh, has said, we have seen convergence and harmonization, full harmonization, and that was also easier, but also very important for institutional investors. We, do, we need to know what companies are doing, what the performance is, what the financial position is, what the value creation opportunities are in the long term, and what the impact is on society and clearly see their full harmonization eh, with respect to financial reporting, the IFRS since 20 years, but now also the upcoming implementation of the CSRD with standardized sustainability reporting framework by ESRS. And that is, that is from an institutional investor's point of view with a European-wide portfolio and sometimes a worldwide portfolio, very important to have comparable, consistent and credible reporting by the companies where our members invest in based on high quality reporting standards, but also high quality assurance standards. And also with respect to external assurance, these are based on international standards provided by an independent third party. So we see at reporting level, there it is full harmonization and also full harmonization with respect to external assurance. What is missing from an institutional perspective is at least European harmonization with respect to internal 
assurance so that we can get even more trust in, in the financial reporting system. So for institutional investors, it would be beneficial to have a harmonized in-control statement issued by the executive boards, the assurance that all the board members sign off the annual accounts and the sustainability report. And I think there it is also important to have shareholder responsibilities and not, not only securities regulators that should step in. Of course, they have to ice the, the external reporting non-financial information and financial information, but I would also like to underline the responsibility of ourselves as, as shareholders. We also have to keep an eye on the contents and the quality of reporting. And I think it would be good that in the future, the European legislator would make a shareholders vote, not only on the annual accounts mandatory, but also on sustainability reporting. And sustainability reporting will become more ha harmonized because of harmonized reporting standards, ESRS, and also harmonized because there is more external assurance via the, the, the limited lev level of assurance. So I think it is important to underline the shareholder's responsibility by also having at least a non-binding vote on the annual accounts and the sustainability report. And I think it's also good to have a requirement that at least all European listed companies establish an internal audit function. That is missing. The, the interaction between the internal audit function, the external auditor, and the internal government's organs. So I think with this combination that would increase very much the investor's trust in the annual accounts and in the sustainability report. Thank you very, very much, Rins. I would like to move now to Isabel, and I would like to, to go back to the capital market union, taking into account the important tool it is to push growth, growth and jobs. Isabel, what could be potential improvements to internal control and governance, which could strengthen the capital market union? I, I do want to also commend the Oxera report, which I found was extremely interesting. Maybe before I respond to your question, I, I just wanted to compliment a little bit what Gabriella said about the role of the, 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 the supervisors or the enforcers, as, as we call it, in, with respect to you know what I call the, the investment chain, because I think it's really important, and, and the Commission really nailed it in their consultation, that supervisors are the last of three lines of defense in terms of investor protection and in building investor trust in, in, in companies. You know, the first one obviously being the company itself and the corporate governance more specifically, and the second being, being the auditors. And I just want to maybe a little more prosaically explain why it is important that internal controls and particularly the role of the audit committee and that of independent directors need to be strong in in this respect and I actually find that it's it's actually quite amazing and I've heard what people have said earlier about the the, the different laws and, and and levels of harmonization which is interesting that is that this first line of defense which has the most information is the one that is the least regulated is the one that for which there's soft law there's best practices 
and all, as opposed to the auditors then who come in at a second stage who have access to a lot of information and the enforcers who at the end basically rely mostly on public information and have also, whilst they do have clear powers, those powers actually even defer uh, to some extent between EU countries, which is also one of the topics that we raised with the Commission when we actually following the uh, the report that we published on on Wirecard and and to the point of you know where are the auditors to some extent it's also where are the enforcers and that was the question that was put to us in the context of of, of Wirecard and that we've responded to also maybe in terms of how, when we work since we come in last the the accounts with the the financial information and soon the sustainability information will have already been published so so we only act as you know, with a certain delay, which can be up to a year after, basically, the the actual information is produced. So for us, it's it's hugely important that the the two other lines of defence are very uh, very strong. And and the other thing maybe to to take into consideration is is given the means that we have, and I'm going to say and the, and the, the the resources that we have, we're not able to control the full set of issuers in any given country in any given year. So we, we have to target. So we have different ways of doing this. And it's and the, the, the general concepts are public in our guidelines on enforcement for, for financial information, but we can't control everyone. So there, there might be obviously some, some misses there. The other thing is, I think, and I think, Gabriella, you, you, you mentioned that the the public knows what auditors do. I, I would actually want to caveat this. I always think that there's an expectation gap between what what shareholders and the general public know or expect from what uh, the the auditor's role is. And then, and I think, I mean, I, I formerly I was an auditor. I think auditors always confronted with having to explain what actually their their procedures en- entail. So, so it, it's surprising that corporate governance is where a lot of it is. There's good practices, best practices, corporate government codes, comply or explain. And I would think that we need to move away a little bit from the excuse of company laws, national regulation, and it cannot be harmonised and it's too difficult. I would think that some of the principles maybe that we have in those codes, if they work well, you know, we should consider putting them in, in in regulation. I mean, obviously, as a supervisor, I probably think that regulation is good, but, but I would think that we can probably identify some elements which which can be taken and, and be affirmed a little bit more. For example, certain safeguards, such as the requisites for independent directors, for people sitting in, in the audit committee, maybe reinforcing the role of the audit committee as well. Thank you. Thank you very much, Isabel. Uh, I would like now to move to Daniel and, and to ask him how the G20 OECD uh, principles of corporate governments are evolving to address the, the importance and the role of uh, internal control. You can ask both questions at the same time, taking <laughs> okay. into account that I, I imposed that previous question as we are running out of time, but you can combine both both answers. Okay. Well, just to say a bit more about, about this debate, because we've discussed a lot about it, and I think it's, it's certainly not black and white. There are, there are definitely areas 
where a greater harmonization is needed and there are other areas where you need flexibility. I mean, since the underlying or overarching principle in our review has been to support the development of capital markets and that, that aspect of it, the, the concept of flexibility and proportionality is very important in our work, and, but it's more important in some areas than in others. I mean, and, and I think this has been talked about in terms of boards of directors, because there are so many differences in how boards of directors work and how companies work, we tend not to prescribe in that area. It's not just a matter of jurisdictional differences of some countries having two tier boards and others having one tier or having special collegio of sindicale and all of that. It's also differences within a market in terms of the size, the, the level of development of a company, whether they're ready to have board committees yet, because there's, been a, there's definitely been a trend towards establishing sustainability committees, for example, to look at sustainability-related risks, and that can be useful, but it may depend on the size of the company. So in our recommendations in terms of boards, we've taken a pretty flexible approach about just making sure that the function is served, including the function of oversight of internal controls, but less prescriptive exactly how it should be done. I think in the, the area of disclosure, it's different. I mean, there is this problem that we have currently in the market with sustainability <coughs> reporting, that we have all kinds of methodologies out there for ratings on ESG, for example, on indexes of what's included in an ESG index. And there can be important, there needs to be important improvements to ensure greater comparability of this information. And so there needs to be greater transparency. And that's one of the things that we're pushing for in this. And also in terms of the quality of the information, we have a principle which recommends that jurisdictions consider implementing external assurance on a phased-in basis, because we know that there are, there are big costs, there are, there, are, there are difficulties, there are challenges related to this. So it needs to be gradual, but it, jurisdiction should be moving in that direction. And so that obviously is, is one piece in the three lines that's very important, but also the internal controls. We make clear that this is something, the internal assurance is also very important in terms of sustainability reporting. So that's, that is an area where there needs to be more attention and greater focus, but how far we go, there, there will probably be some variation in that as well. Thank you. Thank you very much indeed, Daniel. In the previous panel, someone raised the issue of scandals, and, and we have seen that one of the answers to the scandals on Enron and Parmalat are two examples, are precisely the, the, the strength of internal control of the, of the companies. I would like to ask uh, Isabel, taking into account the examples I, I mentioned, what are the diverse framework of safeguards across the European Union? I think that that question has been answered to some extent by you know the, 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 the OXA report, and clearly we can look into other features and, and, and see that it's very different. Maybe what I find also interesting is that we always respond very forcefully when there are scandals, which are a good prompt, but it, it shouldn't prevent us from, from doing things in, in the meantime. And just, you know, Wirecard was actually the, the one scandal that actually led to this whole commission consultation and to, to us being here actually to, today. And interestingly, in this case, whilst, you know, the so we as ESMA, we've looked into what the securities regulator, the local securities regulator did, 
There are also currently investigations in, in, in the in the auditors, but you know the there is a court, a court case ongoing against the, the the CEO where if you follow a little bit the, the accounts in the press, you, you actually really see where the, the internal controls were non-existent. The people who were asking questions were dismissed. There were no consequences for, for, for the CEO. So clearly, and to some extent, there was collusion between various parts of, of, of the company, which, which also helped you know, paint the picture that, that it was painting. So I would certainly support things I think as I, as I mentioned you know the, the requisites for, for independent auditors the role of the the audit committee and how it interacts with with other governance with other governance bodies I, I think some of the proposals that previous speakers have made are also also good in particular noted those from Rents on more harmonization of internal controls and publishing an internal control report. So it is true, in my view, shareholder responsibilities, giving more voice to share, to shareholders, to being able to to express their views, and 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 challenge management. I've heard a lot about sustainability reporting. I think it's going to become even more crucial in the area of sustainability reporting, especially in the coming years, because I think it's topics that all of us we, we all bring. But there's a huge expectation out there. And we have to get it right. So, so yes, it's a challenge. Yes, it will take 20 years, but we really have to, to, to nail the right direction as soon as it, as it starts. And we're certainly, at least from our, our perspective of regulators, really gearing, gearing up for this, as I think every, everyone is. I think what was also mentioned earlier is, is obviously the the, the difference between you know securities law, which is harmonised to some extent at EU level, compared to company law, which which isn't. I think we need to look. And earlier this morning, someone mentioned mentioned something in that vein. More of the broader ecosystem. Wirecard was a huge scandal, also because a lot of individual retail investors directly invested in the company. There are other countries, and I'm thinking, for instance, of France, where there are more diverse types of investment. I think we're going to be publishing a report soon saying that I think France has like 80, more than 80% of money market funds in, in the EU. So, so the, 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 the tax environment. So we need to look at to, to understand why certain models work in certain countries and not other countries, I think there's the, there's a whole ecosystem to, to take into account that you know that would also possibly support you know a direction in, into what would be best to resolve or, or improve corporate governance. Thank you, Isabel. I would like to to pause to find a question to to Roberto. And then open the floor to the to someone else if want to post a question to one of the of the panelists. Uh, we have heard that Isabel mentioned that one of the answers to to Wirecard was precisely the consultation launched by the European Commission. But we heard also by Commissioner McGuinness that he had decided to postpone the reform of the corporate reporting for at least for the next next legislative period. My first question to Roberto is that I understand that under the umbrella of the current directive, it's possible to, to advance on, on internal control, taking into account 
what uh, you have described regarding Italy. And my question is, what can we learn from the Wirecard scandal from the perspective of the role of directors? Well, by the way, as you said, I've been part of a working group of Ecodai and I'm expressing some idea that comes from, from, from a large, not, not only my opinion, just to decide. Well, Wirecard, of course, has been a huge scandal. This, this morning, as already mentioned, the relevant importance of trust Trust because, uh, of course, uh, investors and in, uh, financials in the market has to be confident with what the company, how the managing and what the report is, how is, is done. Uh, I think that we can take some, some pillars, some spot from what has been done, even because, uh, and this is also something that I want to add on what has been said before, probably we do not need any more regulations uh, we had uh, an important directive which has been put in place probably it takes time because uh, any change of corporate governance means a change of culture and means also a sort of important change management into inco into corporate body but i think that on some spot for example I think that the requirement of implemented audit committees should be mandatory for everyone. It should not be possible to avoid having a sort of relevant or having the audit committee inside as the full board. For the uh, reflections and pillars that comes from, from Wirecard, probably, of course, the first line of defendants is taking into consideration internal companies' control, what, what Oxera said, taking into consideration the efficient activity also of the supervisory board and also on the external. We do not have to miss that probably the Wirecard case show us also a, a strong weakness in market and institutional oversight, because this is something that comes from the experience we had. I would also think that some pillars could be probably a system that allows information to flow. I'm not talking only about the whistleblower that, by the way, is one of the starting point of the opening box of the Wirecast system, but also of the possible relevance of having material weakness disclosed. We know that in the U.S. system, its pies have to be informed and have to inform market on, on, on weakness. We do not have the same in Europe, probably helping and having indicators that can give a sort of directions of the quality inside the company of the system, the, the statutory auditor, the corporate reporting, having some strict indicators that could be from exemplar good or improvements are required, could help a more efficient information. In the same time, I think that probably the importance of working towards audit regulator and towards a global in regulator is something that has to be implemented. I think that in, in, in general, what happens and what we have seen is that, by the way, in auditors, I, see, I think that the German law has given the possibility to pursue auditor only if the accountants are still enrolled. And what happens, by the way, in the wildcard uh, case 
is that uh, we uh, we do not have the possibility for the authority to pursue any person if the individual is not anymore part of the audit profession. These are probably points that could be viewed and on what probably something has to be done altogether. Thank you very much, Roberto. Okay, I would like to know if there is any any question to the to the panelists. Yes, thank you, Pablo, Florence Vandel, European Issuers. Thank you for the interesting discussion and also for the presentation of the report. We represent companies listed on the different markets. Uh, the context is not brilliant. I think it was mentioned by several of the speakers today. We have the feeling sometimes of a lot of mistrust on companies in the way the agenda at the EC is, is driven. And whilst we completely support the objective of enhancing quality and also reliable corporate reporting, I think this is key and important. The way to move forward eventually should be taken into consideration and the answer find in the current existing framework. At the moment, we have already, I would say, the, the, the audit is in place with a lot of responsibilities already on the audit committees and companies. And what we see as an outcome is a lot of market concentration, which creates issues on the audit side for companies. There have been several member states options also left in cross-border situation. This hasn't been addressed. And in this respect, in the, in the reporting framework, we mentioned a lot about sustainability. The sustainability agenda is really now at the heart of the companies. It's, it will be a challenge. They, are, they will be coping with it, but making sure that Europe would not leave competitiveness driving this agenda with being too much ambitious. I think that's probably the, the message today. Thanks to you, Florence. Any, any other question? So if not, I will give the floor back to the panelists to answer the question and also to 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 include some final remarks in, in case you 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 want daniel please well, i'm not quite sure what the question was in, in that but yes no i agree with the, with the comments and and i think that i think the only other thing to say is that i appreciate this opportunity to have this rich discussion to have the oxera report to sort of set an agenda of issues that we need to to, to look at I take this back to the OECD because we will be having our committee meeting in March to discuss these issues. And I, I take what I've heard today also as an input to those ongoing discussions. So it's been very valuable for me and I appreciate the opportunity. And I, we just conclude with that. Thank you. Thank you very much, Daniela. We really appreciate you take note to, to all, of all the debates we, we, we got today. Roberto, please. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm joining the, con the, the, the conclusion and the considerations. I think that it has been said that probably going through a more harmonized U.S. framework will not be easy. We do have costs, and that's, that's definitely true. Probably some efforts in these directions should be made, and I think that this is also something due not only to the general system, but also to the financial markets investors need to have something easier and probably when we are fixing rules and we are changing things or appreciating what are the relevant things for the corporate reporting we have to keep in mind what is the investors view on this thank you Roberto. and finally isabel if you want to to answer and to include any final remarks we appreciate maybe here i could say that i, I was a bit disappointed that indeed the initiative that the um, 
commission had launched has been put on hold. Whilst I can understand the constraints, I think it would have been good to 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 continue to continue with this. So let, let's hope that they pick it up under the the next uh, the next mandate again, and that it will be you know put on on the list of priorities, and see where we go from there. But I, I agree with most of what's been said. I think it was very good discussion, and th- thank you all for uh, for these very good exchanges. Thank you, Isabel. Thank you very much. And I will finally give the floor to Mauricio to give us a final remarks. I would like, therefore, to thank uh, uh, the panelists and Oxera for the hard work uh, done in the last uh, several months. I get the sense that uh, there is a, a common view, greater uniformity in terms of requirements and legislative in Europe on uh, governance and corporate reporting is probably needs probably to be considered. The lessons that I learned in, in the past years, as you can tell from my accent, I'm not only the European group, but I'm also Italian. And I have experienced on my shoulder as a partner in Italy what it meant for the market by the introduction of the legislative uh, reform over corporate reporting. And at the beginning, the market reacted with some concerns about the complexity, the cost, and the difficulties in implementing in a short period of time such requirements. If you go back to the same directors we were talking 20 years ago, so concerned 20 years ago, I can tell you that the same directors these days, they are pleased to move in an environment where there is a more clear and robust system of internal control a more clear and robust corporate reporting system, and uh, is certainly a better corporate governance adopted by Italian companies and uh, Italian groups. And this is so true also, and I'm pleased that there was, from some of the panelists that was mentioned, it's even more important now that we are moving our agenda and level towards uh, ESG sustainability, which is a challenging agenda which is bringing new challenges to uh, those charged with governance and uh, those that will be asked to provide assurance over these reporting. So uh, we probably need to work and reflect on that because the European agenda, as was mentioned before, is becoming very, very demanding, very, very ambitious. So with this consideration, I thank again every uh, all the participants to this event. I hope it was... Uh, of value also than this, as was for me. And I wish you a good coffee and I look forward to seeing you again. Thank you so much. Thanks again there to Pablo and all our panellists. Um, before we end the podcast, I'm back with Maurizio Don Vito, partner at PwC and the chairman of the European Contact Group, who I spoke to at the start of the first of these two episodes from Brussels. Uh, Maurizio, we've had two very in-depth discussions today. What are your thoughts on what you've heard? Well, first of all, I think that it was a frank and honest discussion. There were some different angles brought to uh, the roundtable by our uh, panelists, and this is a, the exact uh, scope, and uh, was the exact scope of the roundtable, discussing and uh, sharing uh, point of views on uh, a very important topic, which is the governance, uh, and which is, the, as I said, the cornerstone of an effective uh, corporate reporting uh, uh, system. I have, I'm in 
expressed, uh, despite the fact that uh, we can see some divergent point of views. I think that there is a common theme and a common point of view, which is the fragmentation in Europe of uh, uh, the uh, legislation and our governance, the need for uh, clearer guidance on what an effective system of internal control is, and I think this is the I think the biggest uh, the biggest values coming out from the roundtable, a sort of a convergence on the need how to get to the solution of these problems is another story, and probably is is left to the authorities to decide how to better address this need, but. The need is, uh, uh, I think, is quite loud by all the stakeholders. We, we need uh, a better, clear system to uh, reinforce the governance in Europe. And uh, the second uh, uh, element I appreciated about the uh, discussion during the round table is the, in relation to the fact that where this clarification took place, where these additional requirements or clearer requirements were uh, set, there was a clear benefit in terms of quality of the corporate reporting, and therefore the benefit of the stakeholder was, uh, was, was achieved. Well, that's actually it for the second episode from Brussels. Don't forget, Oxera would love to hear your thoughts on this topic, so if you would like to contribute to the discussion, you can do that on their agenda website by visiting oxera.com slash latest dash agenda, or you can comment on their LinkedIn and Twitter posts where they have shared this podcast. If you have been inspired by what you've heard today and are interested in finding out more about working with the Oxera team, please do get in touch via the website too. For more information, visit oxera.com slash careers. We'd also love for you to subscribe or follow this podcast which you can do on your favorite podcast app and if you've enjoyed listening please do give us a positive rating and review and finally if you would like to get in touch with Oxera about agenda and any of the points raised here today or in any of our previous episodes you can do that by emailing agenda at oxera.com but for now thanks for listening and goodbye